Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast on Pantheon Podcast, where you can go to find any of your most preferred style of music podcast. Uh, they got lots of stuff there, really great quality uh, uh, podcasts, a lot of metal stuff, anything that strikes your fancy. To go to Pantheon Podcast and listen to your favorite podcast. And I always say, hopefully, that's us. And I think Jason would say the same thing. Absolutely. We Well, if you're turning, tuning in right now, we appreciate you and check out some of the other other song or other songs, other podcasts on Pantheon. And by the way, Brian, what we need to remind everybody to do is if they are following us, downloading us, whatever, we very much appreciate all your listens. But go and rate us. Give us a review. Uh, yeah, that helps us. And it helps when we're trying to book guests, when people can go and see um, both the rating and some reviews out there. So thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thank you. What do we got? What do we got for news? What do we, what do we got? We got uh, such a great uh, lineup of guests here, four in a row. Um, so we're cutting these all kind of close together. But <laughs> yeah, I just like listen. Like, I guess we won't give away too much because uh, we got some really good stuff coming. But uh, for those of you that listen to us regularly, you're going to be very happy with some of the names that we have on here, particularly some first time guests that you're going to hear. Yeah, a lot of uh, very uh, uh, closely related kind of uh, styles of music, musicians, guitar players. Um, so you guys will definitely, definitely dig that. So um, are we just going to get right into our guest? We should, because this yeah. is our favorite just... person from like our favorite band right now. So like we are talking, will just ruin it. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, we got Charlie Starr again, and always such a blessing to talk to him. And he's just a great guy to chat with, as everybody knows. And um, yeah, just great, you know, talking about the new record and talk some Grateful Dead and always a good time. Yeah. And like, we'll talk a little bit on the wrap up, some things I took away from it. But yeah, they're going on tour this fall starting in November. So check them if you can on the road. I even hear, Brian, we can't say, but there may be some special guests at some point. Yeah. And great packages for the new record that you can get um be right here there's cd bundles there's vinyl bundles there's shirts that come with it different colors we know you love blackberry smoke take a look on the website pre-order yeah um and uh when it comes out and vinyl's coming out with it yeah get that check it out um i'm definitely going to do the same i was fortunate enough with you here georgia that uh you know, Ian Claus sent me a copy of the You Hear Georgia vinyl. Ian Claus. Ian Claus is known to bring joy to music listeners all around he, the world, Brian. He doesn't even come down your chimney. <laughs> he he just walks right in the front the door. He just sends it through UPS yeah. or USPS, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Listen to our conversation with Charlie and you know, put a smile on your face. We're at the guest segment of the podcast. Jason's going to introduce our great uh, returning guest and friend coming back again. Yeah, I think coming back for the hat trick at this point is one of our favorite musicians from one of our favorite bands. Welcoming back to the show, Charlie Starr. How you doing, man? I'm great. How are you guys? We're good. We're really good. We're good. Really We're good. good. You know, I was enjoying this conversation about blanket forts before we started recording. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's real. It's a struggle. <laughs> Dude, did you guys ever take like the couch cushions too to use those or like or yeah yeah still do um the, the thing about it is is uh our our listeners with children will understand that the building of the blanket fort usually it might be a joint venture uh <laughs> but the cleaning up of the blanket fort always lands in my lap <laughs> Of course, like a yeah. good father, right? Always all yeah. the demo and cleanup goes to the dad. The deconstruction and the cleanup. Um, I win that bid every time. <laughs> well, my friend Jonathan, who's the tent six guy we were talking about. Jonathan, I'm throwing it out right now. We've got a celebrity endorsement. We're going to hook Charlie up <laughs> with some of these things, and he's going to promote your tent sticks. <laughs> I need him. I need tent sticks. That's a good place to start. Right. That's right. <laughs> Well, the most important thing we get, we got to ask, follow up, like how, how's uh, Britt's health? How's he doing? He's doing great. Thank doing you good. for asking. Um, he's been undergoing lots of treatment, you know, really for the past year. Um, it hasn't really stopped, but uh, he's doing great playing his ass off. Um, we're home now until November 2nd, but oh yeah, we just had a photo shoot and we have a lot of work to do on um, a lot of record stuff, you know, a lot mm. of getting into gear for promoting the new album and he's right right on top of it so he's all good thank you 
right right before we get into your record uh what what do you think of hackney diamonds i love it um when i it took a well it didn't take i mean i, I love i love the stones and uh as you guys do too and so you're i'm hard pressed to think of a, even harlem shuffle i even love harlem shuffle so mm-hmm. um there's not really any stones related stuff that i hate i just i love their musical output um here's my take on it if you're if you're interested to me i miss a little bit of keith in the feel of the record um but that being said so it might sound a little more like a mick jagger solo record mm-hmm. in spots in spots not even entire songs, sometimes hooks and choruses. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's not, I don't think of Jagger Richards when I hear that mm-hmm. particular melody right there or that, but I don't hate it and I don't shun it. It's almost like um, I was telling my buddy at Fantasyland Records yesterday, I went and got a vinyl copy of it. And I said, it reminds me of the first time I heard Emotional Rescue when I was probably 13 or so and I had just been I'd been listening to hot rocks, you know, or sticky fingers or whatever. And then I put on emotional rescue. I'm like, oh, that's different. That's a different era, you know. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I think it like sweet sounds of heaven uh has a little bit of that shine a light spirit. I don't I don't mean to compare to exile, but yeah, it gospel magic is still there. It is, and that that was welcome. Like, well, okay, that's really, especially mixed vocal. Oh my God, it's just out of this world. Right. Like, I mean, what other 80 year old person is singing with that much power? <laughs> right. That's crazy. Right. And you, I you saw, know, go ahead. You, you hear records that are, that are, where auto tuned is used a lot. And, mm-hmm. and this ain't really one of them, you know? Um, like, I, that, that performance in particular, Sweet Sounds of Heaven, that's, that's just him being powerful. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, I saw a meme go around. It was very funny. It was Mick Jagger and was a politician who was about the same age. Or like, you know, yeah. this, this, it was like <laughs> drugs and rock and roll and like politics. Like, kind of which one was better? I was like, yeah, man, this that dude looks amazing. And then he was on Saturday Night Live for a skit the past weekend too, and did a phenomenal job on that. Yeah, he's a. I mean. He is a freak of nature. The The last tour, um, it was the first time I'd seen him with Steve Jordan, you know, and it was great. I missed Charlie's feel on some things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, who wouldn't, you know? Right. Um, but he did a he did a bang up job. It was very respectful. And uh, there were times where I just was like, it was feeling so good. I wasn't even thinking about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but and he does a great job on this record, too. They're they're. Uh, I didn't know, not having the liner notes yet, the first time that I listened to it, the first time I streamed it on um, like Apple Music, um, I was I caught myself going, oh, that's Charlie right there, because I didn't know how many songs Charlie had tracked, you know, on the record. And then I got, and then it dawned on me, I opened the Wikipedia page, and um, what I thought was Charlie on two songs, it was not, it was Steve. Oh, wow. And, uh, he's just playing like Charlie. So say that says a lot about him if you didn't recognize right off the bat. Well, you know, Charlie had a the way that he like a single stroke roll on Charlie's snare, he always led with his right hand. So it's like taka 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 Whereas another drummer like might be you know what I mean? He always had that boom boom ba boom 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 dum boom taka 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 And Steve does that in a couple of songs. I'm like, oh, he's doing the Charlie, the Charlie drum roll. 
It's crazy. Do you think like right? He's been he was the tech for a long time with him, wasn't he? Like he's been attached to the stones forever. I don't think so. He he no? was just you know he was in the winos with Keith, and um, he and uh, he and Charlie Drayton would trade in the winos playing bass and drums. But Steve played most of the drums. But uh, okay, is it the bass player then who was the tech with him? Like I'm trying to. Remember, did one of those guys step in the roles that kind of worked with those guys for a long time? I don't think so. Um, okay. Because Daryl Jones played, um, he was he played with Sting and Miles Davis. Um, I have a funny story if you have a minute. Yes, um, we got it, man. <laughs> so, so I have uh, uh, Rick Price from the Georgia Satellites, the bass player, um, fantastic fellow. He's an old friend, and back in the nineties, um, I played two shows with the Georgia satellites um, one at a little bar in Dallas, Georgia, and one a show out in Sturgis. And I wanted to be in the Georgia satellites so badly. Um, that was, I thought I, I really need to be in this band. <laughs> <laughs> and it was right at the beginning, right as Blackberry smoke was getting started. And, uh, but I just loved, I mean, you know, they were, they were Atlanta heroes you know, so uh, it was just fantastic to get to play music with them. But anyway, yeah. I was talking to, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was <laughs> talking to Rick Price one day and I went to his house and uh, he, we also had shared a love of automobiles and he had a, a 39 Chevrolet we were checking out and, um, and he had auditioned for the Stones back in uh, 90, uh, 90 or 91, I think. When um, when Bill Wyman quit, or maybe it was after that, maybe it was before Voodoo Lounge, mm -hmm. um, somewhere in the nineties, early nineties rather. And um, I said, Rick, you got to tell me about auditioning for the Stones. And he said, Okay. He said, um, I went to New York City, and I think it was SIR where they had the rehearsals. And uh, he said, uh, There was a bunch of people auditioning, and he said, uh, But he said, This is my shit if anybody can play the stones, it's me, you know? And because he already knew Ronnie Wood and Keith because they loved the satellites when they broke in England in the eighties and uh, they were, they were buddies. So uh, he said, I went in and he said, uh, we started playing and he said, it, it sounded good. It felt good. And he said, everybody's grinning. And he said, I didn't even, you know, getting ready to do the audition. I didn't even know what songs to work on. I'm just like, I know all this shit. I don't need to practice this stuff. And he goes, uh, he goes, Keith turns and goes, let's do Shattered. And he was like, uh-oh. <laughs> He's like, I don't even know what key Shattered is in. So he said, I look over at Ronnie Wood and I said, and he said, uh, hey, you played the bass on this, didn't you? And he said, Wood, he goes, yep, which he didn't actually on that record. It was Bill Wyman. And he goes, uh, what key is it in? And he said, uh, uh, F sharp. And uh, it's not, it's in E, I think. But uh, he said, Keith goes, no, it's not, it's in G. <laughs> and they, he said they started arguing about what key it was in. But he said they wound up not doing it because they couldn't agree on what key it was in. So he was like, Ooh. <laughs> So he, uh, he left, he said it was great. And, and, um, he said, I, I knew I had done a good job. It felt because that's the way Rick plays, you know, mm -hmm. he plays, he plays, uh, like he, they all play like they could be backing up Chuck Berry, you know, that's the, that's the feel. Yeah. And, um, 
he said, I went home, I flew home to Atlanta and he lived in Stone Mountain. He drove home and he said the next day, um, this was before widespread internet, you know, we was, we were watching MTV news and that kind of thing. And he said, Stanley Booth called him the author Mm -hmm. and said, I hear, I hear you're in the stones, man. And he's like, what? And he goes, that's what they're saying. So he said, I was like, well, I just sit and wait for the phone call now. And he said, two days went by. I think it was two days. And he said, I didn't hear anything, but I was just thinking, well, I got it. And he said, I turned on MTV and they made the announcement, the new bass player for the Rolling Stones, uh, Daryl Jones. And uh, he said he was just, his heart just Mm -hmm. collapsed, you know? And he said, I I watched the interview where Keith said, we let Charlie choose. Mm -hmm. And he chose chose Daryl. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. When uh, when you mentioned uh, the satellites, uh, real quick, we uh, uh, one of our most recent guests, Andrew Kyler from the band Rare Birds in Atlanta. Yeah, he goes yeah. way back, and he mentioned you and stuff too. But he goes like, "Yeah, I remember when uh, Dan Baird was working at a guitar store, and and then then we came to find out later on, and Jason was chatting with Steve Gorman, and I guess and Andrew like auditioned for the gig that oddly, that oddly got. Oh, did he really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, he told me. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's great. Um, he has, uh, I don't know if she sings in the Rare Birds, but we have a mutual friend that I, I've known since I was a teenager. Suzanne. Uh, yeah. Suzanne Sledge. And I actually worked in a record store with her. Um, and she was a wealth of knowledge. Like, again, pre-internet, if I had questions about like, who played guitar on on the Mad Dogs and Englishman tour, she had it that information on the tip of her tongue. Yeah. She was 6875. That was a great band. We're doing a Georgia was, Christmas yeah. special and they're going to be on for that. Suzanne's going to be on for that too. So you'll tell her I said, hello. She's great. I will. Yeah. Well, let's get into be right here. Uh, let's talk about this from conception to completion. Yeah. Um, well, we went in, um, in the fall or the end of last year. Um, 
that's when we started pre-production and stuff. And I had written some songs and it was kind of like, we were like, well, let's go make another record. And that was right around the time that Brit had a heart attack. So it was really like, well, we're not going to be in a hurry because why would we be? And so uh, we went in uh, to studio A and RCA again with Dave Cobb and we'd picked out uh, probably about 15 songs. And, um, and then I wound up writing a few more or finishing a few more as we went in. And uh, Dave is funny, you know, he's like, uh, I want to capture as, you know, as much spontaneity as possible. That's his thing. He likes to make a Bob Dylan record. You know, he doesn't like anybody to have heard the songs, but like me. <laughs> so <laughs> like, he's like, I like to capture the way people play something the first time they play the song, you know? And um, that's, that's very um, exciting. Um, and so half of the record is kind of that way. The other half of the songs I had already, I was like too late. I've already played them. I already played them for the boys, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but a few songs in particular, well, a little bit crazy was one that nobody had heard. And so, and I'm like, well, it's only got four chords in it, so we can't really fuck it up too badly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was great. And this time, um, Dave was, uh, we set up a little differently. We all were even, we even had the drums in the room. And I think he did that with Slash on their last record. He had their entire backline and the drums and the and lead vocals in the room. Um, behind a, the I had to sit kind of behind a baffle, but uh, knowing that you would probably not keep all the scratch vocals, you wind up you know recording lead vocals last if if need be. Um, but it was really it made the record sound different to me than you hear Georgia, and it was recorded in the same room. Just the separation that one might have with drums being in a, in a, an isolated drum room. Or like and, a live gig, you know, like playing live. Yeah. Well, this was m way more like, which Dave doesn't, he doesn't use a click or auto tune or there's no, he's, he shuns technology. And um, he's just like, you know, as far as a click goes that, that grids everything. So you can go back and fix mistakes and whatever. Um, but he's like, well, just play good. How about that? <laughs> so, um, but this one, we even had uh, amps in the room you know, and um, getting the amp bleed into drum mics and things. So he's like, well, don't fuck up. So if you do, then we're playing it again. <laughs> and uh, so that makes it exciting when you're playing songs mm -hmm. for the very first time, because if you get a good drum track and if, if I play a an F where it should be an, an E, then that won't work. So you got to, you know, figure where we're in that, but it was good. But we tracked for a week there at RCA and, um, we had everything, all the basic tracks done for um, basically we took out of, out of those, we got basic tracks for, for 14 or 15. And then we wound up choosing the, our favorite 10. Um, and then we went to his studio in Savannah where he's from. He has an old house in the swamp uh, to record in. He calls it Georgia May. And uh, we did finished up overdubs there, guitars and pedal steel and, some vocals and things like that. And then we actually came back and, and, uh, and then the girls, the Bettys came in to West End Sound in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. That's a studio that Mastodon owns. And, um, Oh, the band Mastodon. Mm -hmm. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And, um, finished up, finished up vocals there and mixed there. And Dave, Dave was, uh, he wound up with COVID. So he let, initially he let 
Tom Tapley, the engineer, and I mix it. And we mixed about four songs. And he was like, you guys just go ahead and just send it to me. I know you can, you got it, you know. <laughs> and uh, and Tom worked with us, you know, on on uh, Like an Arrow and Find a Light. And um, so we sent him four songs, four mixes we had done. He was just kind of coming out of COVID and his ears were opened up. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> he's like, we're starting over. Was, and, uh, and we were laughing. I mean, we and, uh, and it really wasn't it wasn't much to do with specific uh, mix choices like this guitar being louder than this one or whatever. It, it was just specifics that he likes about instruments like, no, no, I want the drums to sound like this. I want mm -hmm. the kick drum to sound like this. I want this to sound like this. Um one song he's like this should sound like soul survivor what are you doing you should have it should be guitar over here and the reverb of the rooms over here you know i'm like oh you're right yeah what am i thinking so that's why he's that's why he's world-renowned dave yeah. Cobb because he he knows you know he knows a thing or two about mixing but what, but then he came out of being sick and we mixed it and there you go what goes into like you know with uh like an arrow find a light you guys did yourself so what leads you back to like wanting to get a producer you know and then you work with dave cop twice it's just extra ears or what what how does that decision decision play out to produce yourselves or have someone um, produce i think with us it's or specifically with me it's like we'll make a couple and then i'm like okay i'm bored with this i want to try something different and um i definitely well dave and i before we made fine uh, before we made uh you hear georgia we had been threatening to make a record for a long time and um because you know, he's an old Atlanta guy. So, um, and obviously he just makes fantastic records, no matter who it is. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's never, it's never genre specific and it's, um, he just makes great records. Um, and who knows what we'll do next, you know? Um, it's like, okay, we did, we've done two now next, next, um, uh, method. We, uh, we just talked to Kenny Wayne Shepard yesterday and they, wrote their record in at fame they didn't record it there but have you guys ever toyed with doing anything down there in muscle shoals at all or we've talked about it um never have never never taken the plunge um would love to though hallowed ground so your first two singles you released are um dig a hole mm -hmm. a little bit crazy a little bit different sounds like dig a hole is a little um heavier and mm -hmm. a little bit crazy he's got this gigantic pop hook what are kind of we what are we expecting kind of the uh the album to be like like is it a little bit of of kind of that back and forth or is it more thematic it's the it's the back and forth um it's pretty schizophrenic as a lot of the records My are favorite. Go, it goes from uh from the big riff to the to the to the country song for lack of a better way to put it um I had to, someone pointed out to me that the the riff and dig a hole, they thought it'd come from uh live version of testify. It did. Kind of breakdown. And I, I'm glad they did that. Cause I have to confess, like when I first heard it, it, I, it reminded me of black moon creeping. So I'm glad yeah. that, uh, that uh, someone pointed out that it was from testify. Yeah, it was, it was from the live uh, album, the leave a scar, leave a scar album. Yeah. And we used to jam that little riff. Just the riff, just the riff mm -hmm. in the middle of that song, and kind of solo a little bit. And I was crazy thing. I was listening to it 
one day, hadn't listened to it in a long time. And was like, oh, oh, I remember that. I always looked forward to that part of the song. And uh, and then I was thinking, that should be something. It shouldn't just have to live lo- all lonely like this in the mm-hmm. middle of a jam. <laughs> and, uh, and I was messing around with where to take it, you know, and um, and I remembered this little piece of music that Brandon still had sent me a few years ago that he played on Wurlitzer. And it was this little chord change that became the chorus of dig a hole. So it kind of married that together. And, and uh, yeah. You, so like you're the primary songwriter. I know you write with other people, but just saying that uh, about Brandon, is there like little things that, that the guys have added at all over the years, like little parts or. Well, um, Brandon and I wrote pearls and free on the wing and dig a hole. And okay. so, and they all kind of started the same way. He would, he would send me pieces of music that had a sort of a melody of their own. So that it's like, okay, well, this is the start of a song, you mm-hmm. know, um, a riff, really a riff on the, it's always on the Wurlitzer. I love it when he does that. It's never anything else. That's a great, a great thing. But the other guys don't really, they're, they're not really writers per se. Um, it's, and everybody's not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like every right. band I've ever been in, there have been people who are like, I I don't do that, you know? Um, and uh, it's, I think that usually it works itself out in a band situation as to who the writers are. Mm-hmm. Then you'd have a band like the band where everybody writes. So it's, right. you know, um, or the, obviously the Beatles, which, uh, I guess could make it really complicated, or could make it well, I think in the Beatles case, it made it very complicated because there was so much competition going on with uh, especially with George. And if you've seen the 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 let it be, mm-hmm. um, that was tough when George is showing them all things must pass and they're totally making fun of it. It's just like, dude, okay, wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bunch of assholes. That's tough. But I guess they <laughs> yeah. had just they had established the Lennon and McCartney dynamic. And it's like, they probably were looking at George, like, what are you doing? Why are you trying to change what we've got going here? That mm-hmm. that's, that works so well. Or then you'll have like the Jagger Richards thing where apparently, apparently whoever, whoever's idea it is gets sucked into the Jagger Richards vortex. <laughs> and they're like, Nope, that's ours. <laughs> <laughs> and that, the that's the story with uh, moonlight mile, right? That Mick Taylor, that that was his riff. And they were like, we'll be having that. Thank you. <laughs> Brian, I think I would sit and just listen to you and Charlie talk the Stones all the time because Brian's a major Stones fan, knows all this stuff. And I'm learning all this stuff. So if you guys just want to do a podcast on the Stones stuff, I'm game. Yeah, we we could. Yeah. Discussion on the Stones. Yeah, that'd be cool. We could. Um, when you mentioned Brandon, I, I, th- I saw his uh, rig rundown. And he talked about it. it was the Hammond that he found at an old church somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he's funny that he went to go pick it up. It was one of his Leslie's, I think. And he said he, it's like he walked into prayer meeting and he was just kind of like, hello. And he's standing there with his hair and <laughs> probably smelling like weed. And like, sorry. <laughs> uh, speaking of rig rotten downs, we're going to diverge from the record and get back to it in a second. But I know you've done those, but most recently, you're on uh shredded with shifty yeah saw that too Chris yeah, Shifflin. Cool. that was an amazing episode like <clears throat> i learned a lot not only like you know the, the solo to um but, but 
thunder, but um, just the dynamic. I didn't realize he did the show. How did all, how did that all come come about? Like you getting on there? Well, he um, a handful of years ago. Uh, it and uh, it's during his time with the Foo Fighters. He's I think he's been in the Foo Fighters since '95 or so. But um, I remember our agent came to me and said, uh, "Do you know Chris Shiflett from the Foo Fighters?" I said, "No." I know who he is, but he said, oh, he's got a band, a solo band, and and he would like to come and do a run with us with his with his solo band, which is kind of more of an Americana, mm-hmm. sort of a country yep. rock band. And um, I said, OK, yeah. And uh, and so they did. And uh, it was fantastic. And he from the beginning, he was such a such a friendly, likable guy and um, not no ego at all. And um, just it was great. It was a great run. And we wound up doing um some more shows after that with him he came to the Ryman and played with us uh, the last time that we played and we just became friends we actually did he had a he had a podcast of his own already called walking the floor and it was just a talking um you know type an interview type of thing no play no guitar playing on that one and um Britt and I did it and yeah, we talked I heard about that. that was great we talked about everything from from Aerosmith to our love of Hanoi Rocks to which he wound up, I had no idea during the podcast. He's like, I actually went and played in Andy McCoy's band <laughs> in Finland. And I'm like, what? And he said, yeah. And he tried to, he tried to kill me. <laughs> it was bad. I mean, he, he actually, that was an exaggeration, but he did. I think he pulled a knife on him or something. He got so, he was just out of his mind, you know? And, and, uh, so that kind of turned into us Ed like deepened our friendship, I think. And, uh, and so when he started doing the the shredding with Shifty, um, he he hit me up and was like, "Would you like to be a part of this? And you got a little rig at home, you know, for for you know doing that type of thing." And I said, "Yeah." And I think I was the first one that he filmed. Um, but man, he what a great dude! I think when you were on walking the floor, I, I believe that's where I heard it. Where I think he asked you like to name a specific festival that you enjoyed and. You talked about Hinterland Festival near yeah. near Des Moines. That was the first time I saw you guys. That was like an oh, yeah. or something. Yeah, that was cool. That was yeah. a nice, good show. Some Margaret St- Price right before you guys. So. And Sturgill was there. Oh, was um, he? Okay. Yeah, and that was the fr- he was the headliner, and that was the first time he had that I saw him with no. It was just a trio. Um, mm-hmm. That really great guitar player, Lore, left who plays with Driving and Crying now. Um saw you guys at the well on the streaming of the beach life festival and i was just tuning in for you guys and then i hear and up next shooter jennings with his with his uh, highwayman tribute bringing up all friends i'm like he's gotta do it he's gotta bring up charlie you know it's like, like yes <laughs> yeah i had to r- literally run over and get it done it was right back to back that was a great time the doobies were great that night yeah I wanted to ask you about, you know, how you guys have hand built your band, no FM radio support, you know, just kind of the DIY thing. Is it is it coincidental? Is there any like influence from from the Grateful Dead, how they did their thing? I think it's coincidental. Um, In our case, it was just it literally was mandatory because Mm -hmm. we didn't have or it was necessary rather uh, because we just didn't have any interest from radio or from a major label or there, I remember having a lunch with a label guy once um, with a major label guy in Los Angeles. And I remember he was nice, but we were like, sorry, man, we're just not. And he knew it. He's just like, well, I mean, 
we can't necessarily compete with what you're doing for yourself without somehow, you know, I know he didn't say it in this many words, but like watering it down or, or looking to change something that doesn't need to be changed, change for change's sake, you know, and, uh, I don't know. I just thought, well, we're too old to get cute haircuts. And <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's just like yeah. trying to tell you how to look. <laughs> I kind of I kind of think about like I look at the the dead and widespread panic and these bands, especially panic, who who mm-hmm. um, you know, the dead were obviously when they were young and they signed to um to I guess Warner Brothers initially. Is that right? That there were people that were trying to steer them. Um and they I maybe they were like, yeah, well, we're going to make records and have hits. And then it was like, nah, we don't really want to do that. Um, or don't care about that, you know, but, uh, but panic seems to me that they just from the, from the get go were like, didn't they, there was a, there was an interview with John Bell where he said, uh, uh, person asked him, said, you were offered to come and play like at the, like on Saturday Night Live, or there was something. He goes, "Well, we like to play songs that are like twenty minutes long, and so that <laughs> it would never work." <laughs> Does not translate well to that yeah. format. So, what did I don't uh, know. what did you guys learn when you played with Bob Weir? I know he plays some like different kind of guitar chords. What, what, anything that you picked up from him or learned or got advice or? <clears throat> uh, not really. Um, not really playing wise. It was, it was really fascinating to play with him because he has that, that it's such a, it's such a unique rhythmic sense. And just the way that just the little, the little, the things that he adds, the way that he plays it, it is so odd. I watched his hands and I was like, I've got to stop looking at his hands. I'm going to get all fucked up and not know where we are because he plays inversions of chords that are so strange, yeah. but I just loved listening to his stories and, and making music with him. You know, it was like, this guy's been playing this grateful dead music since he was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a, what a life. But uh, he told me that they played, I said, what, what's the first Atlanta show you played? And he said, it was in 1970. And he said, we played the Atlanta civic center, which is uh, defunct now. I think the building is still there, but. I don't think they've had shows there in decades. And uh, I think it was more like a basketball arena at the time. And he said, was it, I said, was it a good show? And he said, the kids were great. It was a great show, but the cops were assholes. <laughs> he said, we, um, we played and well, and this is just a horrible time to, for a bunch of hippies to be coming to the South then, you know, and, um, or maybe it was 69. It was, it was either 69 or 70. And, uh, he said, yeah, and the cops were standing there with billy clubs. Wow. And Steve Steve Parrish, who was the roadie, you know, this mm-hmm. was on the podcast that they were doing at the time. Mm-hmm. He was sort of like the head tech. And he said, yeah, the cops were like, you got two minutes to get this shit out of here. And they were like, what? What do you mean? You know, and he said they were just jerks. And so one of them dosed one of the cops with a Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I of all places, I was at Barnes and Noble yesterday and I was looking at, there was like a show from the Fox, like 71, but uh, instead I ended up buying for each for $8, nothing fancy. Give me back my bullet street survivors and pronounced. Uh, Thank you, Barnes and Noble. Can't go go wrong with any of those records. 
Um, Brian, are you a dead guy? Uh, yeah, I got a good friend who's originally from California, and he started going in '76 or '7. So it's mostly influenced from him. But I'll go and I'll go, I'll go in stages. Um, uh, well, I got American Beauty. See, right Charlie, here? I didn't know about this about him before you know, I started doing podcasts. Um, question, but yeah, I'll go in stages where it's like almost like getting you know. It's like the words to uh, I forget the song the the, the crows play of uh, of uh, Mad Dogs and Englishmen Space Captain or whatever like space flying, flying uh, next to a planet and you get stuck so yeah. like the Grateful Dead will be on for like a month and then I'm back off to whatever else I listen to. You know, my I I loved American Beauty. I got a somebody mm-hmm. gave me a cassette copy of it mm-hmm. when I was in uh, just out of high school. Mm-hmm. Now, those are the songs. Well, that and Working Man's Dead are like yeah. the, the Americana. I loved that. Mm-hmm. And then and then I would hear like space or drums or something. And I'd be like, I'm not really into that. It's not mm-hmm. I'm not that avant garde, you know. But then I was hanging out with my wife before we were married and we first met and she was playing. This is like 16 years ago. And she was playing a show from the Fox. It's a Dick's Picks. Mm-hmm live album a show from the fox in atlanta in 1977 in the spring of 77 which is like a magical time for the day mm-hmm. and that song sugary the version of Very it sweet. on there is the version of it on there is 11 minutes long wow and by the time it was over i was like i am hooked that's that's my that's the feel right there the mm-hmm. lope of that song you know and then the the way that they were playing everything and it was it wasn't it wasn't experimental that at all. It was just soulful. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, and there are plenty of, so I went in head first and um, there are, I heard somebody else put it this way. They were like, now there are tons of recordings of the Grateful Dead that I can't really stand behind because <laughs> it'll get, it would get rough, you know, because um, it, it all depended on what kind of drugs uh, Jerry and Phil and Bob might've been doing on any given <laughs> night, but. But for the most part, especially as a person in a band and you think about board tapes and recording and what they were doing was so revolutionary in recording these songs mm-hmm. to be traded mm-hmm. among their fan base, they got better and better at it, like Betty Cantor and the people who were recording those mm-hmm. shows. But there's nothing to hide behind. There's no, it's all, it's just them playing and singing. And you can rarely hear the audience. It's I wish that you could hear more of the audience's reaction to what yeah. they're doing on those recordings. Sure. But but I think about I listen to it from time to time. I'm like, that's that's dry and clean, and they're it's great. It's a lot better than on some of our board tapes. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, before we wind on, I always got to ask you about um, you know some other artists that you may uh, have hang and camaraderie with. And I was fortunate enough to see. Um, I saw Skinner for the first time in the Cadillac three opened and that, that I really enjoyed those guys. And yeah, he, he uh, he talked to, he said a couple of things. He's talking about when Billy Gibbons gave him a cocaine vial full of peppers, like chili, dry chili peppers. So you got to put it on yeah. ice cream and then the magic happens. But he said that <laughs> Gary Rossington had told him Theron, right? Is that his name? Did I get that right? Or Jared, Jared, Jared. Jared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Gary Rossington told him, like, when it comes to Southern rock bands nowadays, it's Blackberry Smoke and the Cadillac 3. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I love Jaron. He's an old friend. I've known those dudes. God, um, they had a band called, well, they were called American Bang, and then yep. they were called Bang, Bang, Bang. and um, Whiskey Walk. 
They're just great dudes mm-hmm. and a great band too. Yeah. Jake. Yeah. I want to follow up real fast. I'm not, I'm not, I've never really delved in the grateful dead stuff too much. So I've got a question for you. We had Alan Paul on a couple months ago when he's out promoting his book. I try, I think you also, I got a copy of that too. The brothers and sisters. Yeah. Oh, it's Alan. so good. It is so good. And he, they talk about that event in New York. It was like the band and the grateful dead and everybody and how like the first day, I think they were, sound checking or something and the grateful dead were great but actually the recorded version everybody got a couple days later was awful so is there a for me a kind of a newbie something you'd recommend like a live show or album to check out for somebody to kind of take a step forward europe 72 yeah europe 72 that live record it's uh i i think of that like i love those the songs on it are great the 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 playing and the singing um, and, and it's got more that it sounds more like they were, would be on tour with the Allman brothers in the band. Right? Okay. They, they yeah. moved into a jazzier sort of, uh, direct there it is. Yeah. They would, they would eventually move into a jazzier sort of direction. And just like all bands evolve, you know, they, even right. little feet, when little feet got up to time loves a hero era, they were going that for that same, there were so many of those bands like weather report and all that going on and um that all kind of started to seep into people's um experience but (laughs) europe 72 is kind of like um it's like they took those real americana records they made and plugged them in and and made them loud yeah see that's what i prefer that style too versus the improvisational like more jazzy and kind of what they got into but that story that he told me intrigued me so much of how they could be so different and how they were all about the improvisation i'm like yeah i'm a little scared because stuff could be all over the place so asking like well, fans like you guys there are some there's a couple of spots on that record where you'll be like what are they doing because they get a little <laughs> it get they're always gonna jam you know right, right. Um, and that that's when they really just become like a a freeform jazz band where anything goes um but that's a more song centric kind of collection of of live stuff and the okay, vocals are yeah. good. The, the three-part harmonies on it are that's before Donna Jean came into the band. So it's it's Jerry, Phil, and Bob just singing their asses off. All right, Charlie's picks. I'm writing it down, and Brian has a copy, so I know it's good. Yeah, yeah uh, for my other- money, that that record has Tennessee Jed, Ramble mm-hmm. on Rose, and He's Gone, and those three songs are worth the price of admission. Got it. Okay, I'm um, writing it down. The only the other artist I want to ask about, I saw Whiskey Myers again, and one of the openers was uh, Brent Cobb. Yeah, and, and uh, I I I should have anticipated, but it was cool. He came out for bar guitar and a honky tonk crowd. I mean, that's his song. So that was, he is that band is great, man. It was cool to see them. Yeah, see and Brent it's and Brent. Brent, um, he and I wrote a song on on Be Right Here. Okay, and we oh, have which been. One? It's called "What You Know Good." Is are, is he related to Dave? Yeah, they're cousins. Okay, and uh, and. Brent and Richard and I went down to um, to Capricorn and made a record for his buddy Adam Hood mm-hmm. at at Brent's request. I had never met Adam, and I knew Brent. And, and um, anyway, so that was a great experience that week. And while we were down there, we wound up finishing a song that Adam had started. <laughs> so Brent and I fin- think we finished the song with him that's on his album. And then after that, Brent was like, "Hey, um." you want to write something you want me and you to write something. And I say, yeah. So we, um, we got together and wrote this song 
what you know good that's you'll love it it's very jj kale which that's kind of his vibe you know um i think he's like the modern day jj kale guy he's just and you've so... toured with jj haven't you no 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 oh well jj gray we have yeah yeah but not not oh. jj kale oh but, there we go okay um but brent brent's got that cool laid back sort of an oklahoma delivery you know but he's from south georgia is Adam Hood related to Patterson? No. Okay. All right. They're all like Georgia guys, right? Though. Yeah. Is Patterson well, from Ad- Georgia. Yeah. Patterson is Adams from Alabama, actually close to where I grew up. Okay. How many songs on the record, Charlie? Should we expect? Ten. Ten. Mm-hmm. What's the release date? February sixteenth. Um, okay. Before you Valentine's right, Day ish. Before you ask me why so long, I have an answer. Um, well, we we were looking <laughs> predicted, at uh, predicted the questions. <laughs> yeah, when when we first got the the masters the master done, meaning the the album was mastered. Um, <clears throat> in that time, you know, when we started to put together a plan, our friends at Thirty Tigers were like, "Well, it's going to take six months to get vinyl back because of it's just been the domino effect from COVID." supply chain issues and the line formed, you know, for everyone. Um, and we actually had to change vinyl manufacturers after the whole debacle with our stoned record, because that mm-hmm. company just screwed us royally. Mm-hmm. I have no love for them. I won't even mention their name because um, <laughs> they wouldn't stand behind it, you know, and they left us holding the bag. Like it's somehow our fault, but whatever. Um uh, peace and love. <laughs> but, so, so we, we, go ahead. Sorry, we had to. We had to. Um, we had to go out and source new, a new vinyl manufacturer. We found wound, wound up finding, uh, found a home with a great company. Um, anyway, so that being said, and this is my long-winded way of explaining. Like, well, we're looking at that, and we don't want a disjointed release. We want every year for it to be a worldwide synchronized release of vinyl, CDs, digital streaming merch tour everything so that's what they were like well if you want to do that it's going to have to be the beginning of next year so there it is february 16th last thing i got is when you mentioned that the the company that you had to like i saw that post with you and 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 britain like someone got a good talking to <laughs> yeah it's just ridiculous it's like there was there was just quality control was just yeah not there and um that we had no idea until people start opening them you know, and then it's like, well, shit. I mean, what what do you do? And those people are just like, what are we going to do? <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like, yeah, like, well, being myself as a consumer, I would say I want to get my money back. You know, that's what people want to do. They want to go get a refund and then you run it again and make it right. And so yep. it just took a long time for them to make that happen. And there was a lot of wringing of hands and frustrating. <laughs> I didn't get a dud. My copy actually sounded pretty decent. Yeah, well, mine was this. fine too. I tell you this, I mine too, and I and I have um, I have the test pressing, and the test pressing was black vinyl, one eighty gram black vinyl. The problematic records were, I'm told, were red, so uh-huh. that pressing of the red, the burgundy ones, were the bad ones. Um, so what do you know? Well, with your new record, too, talking about the vinyl, you've got all these great options, like all these packages and options, colors, shirts, everything. And I love that. That seems to be a very big and popular thing for a record release now, the, all these different kind of collectible versions. Yeah, um, it's it's the new normal, you know, 
Um, I just got the test pressing about two weeks ago uh, or 10 days ago of it. And I put it on in my house and was like, this is the best sounding vinyl record in our catalog. It is really incredible. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I remember feeling that way when the whippoorwill was first pressed on vinyl. And I was like, oh shit, I'm right back in the studio. I'm in the room now. It's so warm and so real. And you realize how much you do lose with an MP3 or with streaming mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fre- frequencies that you, that you miss. And like compression when, and everything too. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like Spotify sounds like shit. And I have friends that won't even use it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's so popular and so easy. And I listen to, I actually use Apple music, but, um, but, and that's been a complaint. It's not just me. You know, I think even Neil Young was like, this is an insult to the people who make this music because they, when you, when you stream one of those songs, when you, when you are listening through your Bluetooth speaker, you're like, this sounds like a tin can. What the mm-hmm. hell, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I think there's something to be said for there. The way that when you're listening to recorded music, when you're in a control room listening to a mix through the like NS10s and a sub or whatever, it it's never going to sound like that again. Every right. time it's every time it's transferred to another medium, it, you, you like just, making a copy, right? The, the quality gets a little diminished yeah. every single time. Yeah, and I, I think that's what Neil was going through or going for with uh, Pano. Is that 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 thing that he tried? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that player, and uh, he was trying to maintain that level of quality from you know from mixed from you know the mix position and uh, i don't think it worked (laughs) but yeah he tried that was valiant effort i mean digital is nice for the convenience factor but for quality listening and like time i'm going to my record player and like brian's got one too and like you know i guess where i'm going with this is my hope for how music is now is like when you release these vinyls or physical media the fans and everybody else who want to really like the band are going to buy it or want a quality experience, they're going to buy it, but they're going to stream just for convenience, like in the car on the, you know, walking the dog or whatever, because it's a little harder to take that record player with you. Totally. Yeah. I I think uh, there's some, the first time I really noticed it and and really was bummed at like the sound of a, a a piece of digital music was damn the torpedoes. Cause that record is, pristine sounding on vinyl you know mm-hmm. it was that, yeah. it was jimmy iovine's it was his his benchmark like a, this record sounds perfect and then you stream it and it's like it's it's missing low end and you know an impact and uh oh well these kids today they don't know <laughs> <laughs> they don't know but like people love the vinyl stuff though and that's great what you guys are doing they do yeah the different types of versions it is. It's a. It's a whole. It's a resurgence that's not dying. It's just growing. Yeah, and it gives you guys an extra chance to, um, you know, get paid well for what you do too, outside of just the toying the merch. Yeah, and well, and it's a, it's so enjoyable. Like it's, you know, one of Brit's passions is obviously the artwork and the and the layout, the design and layout. And he's like, look at this, and and uh, our records have a photo collage and the shit that we love, that we all love about records <laughs> and liner notes and yeah, you know. Just the, it's just another part of the story. I've got a um, <laughs> it's Halloween time, so we're gonna, the Return of the Living Dead soundtrack. It's great. It's like this clear with blood splatter all over on yes. the vinyl. It looks fantastic. Love it, love it. I, just I love got the cramps, Roki and uh, uh, Roki. Um, oh shoot, uh, what's that guy's name? Roki uh, or Rocky? Rocky Erickson. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's gonna 
pull it out. But anyway, it looks cool and sounds great too. And I, lo- yeah. I love the punk rock stuff on it. I just got a, um, uh, a mommy's little monster social distortion, the new reissue that has like the split. It almost looks like, um, cookies and cream ice cream. <laughs> it's like the splat speckled white with, you know, <laughs> yeah. And you've got your cool collector thing, but also like a very good quality, you know, listen at the same time. Yeah. All right. Before we let you go, I know we're getting the end. You got a fall tour set up already. You guys are getting ready to hit mm-hmm. the road in November. You're going to play a lot of the new stuff on this tour. You're going to mix it up. What are you going to do? Go mix it up. Going to do a, can't tell you. Got to come. <laughs> I'm coming. So I'm coming. I'm coming to the show mm-hmm. in St. Pete beach. I'm going to fly down. Uh, I think it's a Saturday. Okay. Only, it's my dad's around my dad's birthday. So it's good. I get to see them. My parents are going to be the St. Augustine show the night before. Cause my dad needs to go somewhere where he can sit down. But anyway, where I'm going with this is um, I was going to see you back in Cincinnati, but then my wife's 30th high school reunion got changed dates and I couldn't go. Oh. And so she's making it up for me. So we're going to fly down, see my parents for my dad's birthday, see that show in St. Pete beach. Very excited excited by that i think it's the november 11th okay anyway so florida i hope it's warm charlie it will be it will be and i want to hear some of the new stuff at least a couple of the new tracks (laughs) you got it (laughs) all right brian over to you we'll we'll get charlie out of here i know he's got stuff to do yeah i'm hoping for some upper midwest shows and you guys always get up here but uh thank you for coming on and the best thing was we didn't even have to go through your social media assistant that's right. That's I right. was the one who got that. Some person, yeah, some person sent that to me, and I, I, I uh, screenshotted it, blocked that person, put it on the brothers and sisters page because I knew the sheriff would see it, and he messaged me yeah. back. He goes, "Yeah, he goes, yeah, I sent this to Charlie," and he's like, "Oh, brother." <laughs> yeah, they're they're wow. tenacious. Yeah. So no, thank you so much again for being on, Charlie. It means so much to us when you talk to us, and we always just have a great time talking to you. So thank you again. Same to you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks to Charlie for coming to chat with us again. Always a joy. Uh, I, you know, I was uh, satisfied that we got to uh, give you a little, uh, you know, beginning lesson on the Grateful Dead. Yeah, for sure. You know, like there's always a stigma, I think, with Grateful Dead fans, right? And probably some of it's earned. But honestly, reading that book from Alan Paul, when he talks about um, the Allman Brothers, Grateful Dead, and the band show there at Watkins Glen. I'm looking at my poster. Remind, mm-hmm. I should have done that during the interview, but it was interesting because Alan went into a lot of detail about the dead, right? And kind of mm-hmm. like, so I was a little bit intrigued, but I, I do know they can get really go off to places that probably I don't want to hear musically. And to have you and Charlie both make a recommendation meant a lot. Yeah, it, that's the thing about them. It's just like some nights they could be the greatest band and some nights not so much um and there is a lot some of that stuff that gets a little bit you know kind of like way out there and yeah i like uh more prefer their stuff that's you know not quite as spacey but uh they're just well the dead they're just a band that kind of like it exemplifies that fact that they can rock and roll country blues gospel and all that stuff i mean they 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 play all that together so it was good to hear you know how charlie got into them um what else i enjoyed uh, no i thought it was good like i like the americana style stuff and like if that's the 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 europe 72 i mean i love the song sugary i've heard chris robinson cover it i've heard tessie trucks do it 
it's a great song like uncle john's band like i like a couple of the songs that kind of fit in that country rock americana rock style of theirs i enjoyed the story about uh about brandon Steele going to pick up an organ <laughs> it was smelling like weed <laughs> uh i liked your guys rolling stones conversation because i i love the stones music but i am no means a historian about who played mm -hmm. what when yeah. and like you guys being able to correct me like these guys are more tech guys or whatever and uh talking and his getting his take on the new record i thought was super cool too yeah and then i like the new record too i like some of it where it's like more rem reminiscent old style but there is a little bit i agree to charlie there's a little bit of like kind of like mick mick jagger ism kind of a little, little more slick i don't want to yeah. call it pop music but like definitely a little bit um not as rough kind of the blues rock that maybe some of the old you know the older school stuff would be sounds good though it's a fun record absolutely they even have on the background like as a background soundtrack while you're working or doing something else too yeah, I don't and, want to get into too much. We're going to have right. a Rolling Stones record review. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, what else? So, you know, I enjoyed, uh, you know, talking about uh, Dave Cobb and Brett Cobb and Cadillac 3. Yeah. All that stuff was great. So that's just wonderful. So we could tell stories forever. And like, you know, we didn't intend to talk about the Stones or the Dead, but just hearing him and you guys talk about that stuff is just so interesting. And vast wealth of musical knowledge that both of you guys have it's really cool yeah for sure yeah so we had a good time as always with charlie uh you will have a good time with charlie seeing him live or talking to him some have and y'all know what we mean so pre-order the record pre-order pre the record get the vinyl do it do it now get the shirt yep and the shirt so always remember southern rock is reverent blues is blood we'll see you next time
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 